Hello, everybody. Welcome to Great Questions, Great Conversations. My name is Mike Westendorf. I'm a host of this podcast. It's a part of a ministry here at St. Paul's in Muskego, Wisconsin, in the bridge in Muskego. And uh, I am joined by two good friends of, of mine. Again, I'm Mike Westendorf, mwestendorf at stpmuskego.org if you want to reach out to us on this one. But two good friends of mine, co-workers of mine, I want to introduce you guys to Mr. Paul Schusler. And Miss Erica Dresden. Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, and Hello. what I'd like to do is uh, have you guys just maybe introduce yourselves real quick. Um, I'll have Erica. Why don't you go first? Sure. Uh, my name is Erica, and I've been with St. Paul's for a couple of years now as a social media and communications coordinator. So when you think of all the communication that flows in and out of a church, I'm I'm right there. Yep, she's in the middle of that and helps season a lot of different ministries that happen. And Paul, say hey. Hello, everyone. Uh, like Mike mentioned, my name is Paul Schusler, and I've been here for about a year and a half now. Uh, I have the distinct privilege of trying to represent the title of family minister, so I get to work with moms and dads and and kids and how to keep them connected with Jesus as best as possible. So awesome place to be in and awesome position to have. Yeah. And uh, what we're going to be talking about today, um, some of you who are members of our church have heard us talking about the Global Leadership uh, Summit. It's something that a lot of our staff has been attending for the better part of a decade, some of them uh, for more than that. Uh, it's a leadership conference that really does an excellent job of highlighting the idea of servant leadership. My definition of servant leadership has always kind of been um, somebody who is humble enough to learn and yet confident enough to lead. And one of the things that they'll say oftentimes is that um, uh, all of us have uh, influence and leadership is really about influence. Because all of us have influence, it means that all of us lead. Now, some of you are tempted to say, oh, well, you guys are just going to be talking about that. Uh, I don't need to listen to it, uh, either because you've already got it figure, figured out, which if you do, then I'd love to talk with you because um, I'm sure that there's some things that we can learn. But some of you are also probably listening going, ah, I'm not a leader. This probably isn't going to have anything relevant for me. Um, I would say push a pause on that thought. Don't push pause or stop on on the podcast, but pause on that thought because what we're going to be talking about, I think is going to be helpful for everybody, regardless of where you are in life. Because again, a leader has influence and all of us have influence. And so what we do is we have a, uh, a, a it's a blog post from a guy named Kerry Newhoff, who is a big, uh, big on leadership. Uh, particularly in the church, uh, but leadership in general. And uh, about a month ago, he put out a post listing about 25 uh, little leadership nuggets uh, that are helpful for all of us, especially if we're younger in leadership, but also huge reminders for those of us who've been in leadership roles for a while. Uh, and again, when I say younger in leadership, I mean by people like you don't even think of yourself as a leader, well, then I would consider yourself a young leader. Or some of you might be actually in your teens and maybe early 20s and thinking, yeah, I am a young leader. And so what I asked uh, us all to do is go through the the list of 25, and we're going to pick on uh, three apiece. I don't know how many we'll get through on this particular episode, but uh, three leadership uh, nuggets that you guys took out of things. And where I'd like to start first is... Um, Paul, I think the one that you had mentioned, number five, is probably a really important place to start. And so 
this will be kind of our our conversation back and forth and would love to just share what is it that you hear what jumped out to you and uh, just kind of vamp and talk on some of those those nuggets so you want to take uh take yours first paul Sure. Yeah. And if you don't mind, Mike, just to to back up a touch, you know, one thing that I found really interesting about why he wrote this was a conversation with a friend. And it, it's hard to see it when you're young, but later in life, you you suddenly become a lot more aware of what you chose to do early on and how that impacted where you are now. Mm-hmm. And so he, he mentioned, and I'll, I'll just read this because I, I, I think it's, it's really critical for young people to consider what they're doing now and how that impacts the future. But, you know, the whole rationale for why he wrote this post, I was recently talking to a friend who had turned 50 a couple of years ahead of me. He surprised me by saying that your 50s are largely predetermined by how well you lived your 30s and 40s. Mm. You know, so you start you start the trajectory of your future, even though you may not be thinking that far out in advance. But I, yeah. I just thought that was insightful because it is true. You look back, you know, you and I, Erica, you're, you're in that stage of being young, but I can look back <laughs> and see the decisions I made and how either this decision or that decision had a profound impact on the next five years the next 10 years or just even my thought process mm. through those decisions, you know, and, and where it was taking me and what it was doing and how that was impacting others. So, you know, just a glad he's taking the time to reflect and share these critical questions with us to, to, to ponder, but to your point. Uh, so number five, probably the foundation for us here, right. For everybody, I hope they would agree with this, that, uh, you know, this, this key point in leadership is lit no matter what happens, or where you are, live like God loves you, and everything you read in the Bible is true. You know, so if you if you do everything in your life, knowing that your God loves you, even if you mess up, you're still loved, right? Mm-hmm. And that whatever He says is true. So all His promises and His direction that He's going to be there for you, and He's working all things out for your good. If every decision is informed by that, I think it frees you to do a lot more in the future or to take, to step, to step out in faith, you know? So I, there are times I can reflect back in my past where, boy, I, I, I certainly did not live like God loved me. And I would beat myself up constantly by making a mistake. And I would be afraid to do certain things because I was worried about the outcome, you know, mm-hmm. instead of being secure and the direction I could take or knowing that, boy, the, the God who made the world and promises to be there with me is right there with me. Right. <laughs> this. You know, so that, that was probably the most profound, uh, you know, leadership recommendation that, that, that he outlined. Eric, as you, uh, as, as you see that one, um, how do you think, you know, and I kind of to both of, uh, both of you guys, and I'll chime in too, if need be, but, uh, how do you think that impacts leadership? You know, when, how, how do you, Erica, kind of draw the connection to leadership with that? Sure. Well, number five in general, living like God loves you. Um, that's such, so positive. It's such a positive statement. There's no negative connotation behind that at all. 
And when it comes to leadership, really the skills that I've learned in leadership is what I've seen from other leaders. Hmm. Um, And so if I take something like this, living like God loves you, I look at the people in my life and being open and honest, I'm newer to my faith. And I see the people that have brought me back to my faith. They live like God loves them every single day. It's not always easy, but I was able to learn from them. And now in this leadership role, whether it's at work, my personal life, you know, friendships, whatever it may be, I can take those things that I learned from those leaders and how they lived positively and that, you know, God loves them. And now I can implement that, implement that into my own life. And then kind of the trickle effect, hopefully having that, you know, touch somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad that you grabbed this one first, Paul. I mean, we were talking off air and I had heard you mention that this was this was the one that jumped out strongest to you is if you live like God loves you. And when you lead, um, we're reading this right now in Numbers chapter 11 as a ministry team, as we're preparing for our message series. And um, Moses seems to be stuck between the anger and frustration of the people and then God's anger at the sinful lack of trust of the Israelites <laughs> And he's like stuck in the middle of this whole thing. And um, just that's a lot of times where leadership can be like, there, it just seems like no matter what decision I make, I'm going to frustrate somebody. I'm going to have to deal with the aftermath of somebody coming after me frustrated. And maybe even I made the wrong decision and it was a failure. When we're in those positions, if you start first and foremost with living like God loves you, and that's again, every time you look up to see the cross, Every time, um, I know uh, Pastor Pete will talk about this this idea too, that to know that God has taken the guilt and he has taken the shame, that even if my motives for trying to do something that I believed were right, but even if my, the heart was wrong, bringing that to God, knowing that he loves you, um, that's huge. And that the idea that everything you read in the Bible is true, that's a matter and a statement of faith for those of us who are Christians. You might not be a Christian listening into this right now, but... When we're talking about everything you read in the Bible is true, you look specifically at the gospel first. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Why did he do that? Because he wants complete relationship with you, with me. And he then empowers us to go and live that out so that other people would know that. And guess what? That sounds like influence. Mm -hmm. And it sounds then like that could be leadership. So this has to be a critical component of our leadership. Erica, what was your uh, what was one of the ones that jumped out for you? I went looking at my top three here, um, and we can you know since you know we started with with you know we started with God mm-hmm. um, living like God loves you. One of the ones that stood out for me was study and practice faithfulness. Okay, and uh, read, read that. Uh, can you read a, which number was that? Uh, number four: study number and four. practice faithfulness, and. Being newer to my faith and how this whole journey is is so fresh in my mind and how what it was like before and the process of getting to the point where I am today, um, there's been many people who have had an influence on that, who have influenced me positively towards my faith mm-hmm. um, and people who are continuously doing that for me. And something that sounds, as I say it out loud, it sounds kind of silly, but I've never owned a Bible before. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. 
um, found my faith, you know, was going to church, um, never had my own Bible, I would say a year into, into attending worship and then, you know, coming to work for St. Paul's, there was a uh, girl I went to high school with that I still follow her on social media and she's very devout in her faith and she would always post about this Bible that she had. Um, and it was super interactive and it's a, it's a woman's devotional Bible. So all the, there's all these devotions in there and they highlight the different women in the Bible and there's room for notes and colors. And that stuck with me and just the simple act of her posting about her Bible, Mm. I was able to grab that, take that, use that. And now it's a part of my everyday life in a way that I never thought imaginable. And funny is that, you know, the last time I brought my Bible to an all staff meeting, one of the teachers who was sitting next to me was like, that's, that's such, that's such a great looking Bible. I think my daughter would really enjoy something like that center the link. And now I hear that her daughter is using the Bible. So again, back to someone has influenced my faith, really changed the track of how, how I worship, how I do my daily devotions, how I'm in God's word every day. And then that also changed someone else's track mm. of how they're in God's word. And it's really cool to see. And that's just one tidbit of how, um, practicing my faith is shown um in my everyday life you know carrie wrote as a just a little bit of a expansion so there's there's the statement that we're sharing with you and then he writes just a little bit of additional thought and his that last sentence learn how to be consistent loyal and steadfast and i like this holding to what you know is right even when you feel like doing the opposite that's the idea of faithfulness um, Paul, how do you respond to that to that uh, leadership suggestion for all of us growing in leadership? Why is this important? Yeah, I well, he says it that you know that the the explanation or to faith faithfulness is a rare quality these days. Um, you know, we're we're kind of society has a profound influence on teaching us that relationships are disposable. So if you don't like somebody or they do something to you that you don't like, well, see you later. I'm yeah, on to the next unfriend one. Them. Yeah. yeah, totally. Or, or whatever that looks like, you know, and, um, it, we, you know, it, it, this, the same is true in work. You know, how often do you see somebody stick around at a position, uh, for 20 years now, you know, the, the idea of, making a commitment and sticking to a commitment and that that idea of being faithful through the highs and the lows is something that you know we especially as christians really have to be owner cultural you know to to be the light of the world that yeah it doesn't like we're all sinful. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to be broken, but that doesn't mean I'm going to abandon you. You know, we've got a God talking, you know, relating it back to God who is with us no matter what, you know, sent his son to die and saved us and promises that he is going to be the, there with us no matter what we choose to do or the mistakes we make, you know, or what mm -hmm. we go through, you know, so it, it, it's really just following his lead isn't it you know and the you know the one the one paramount relationship that i get to work with with people is the marriage relationship you know and that mm -hmm. one is the the you know we're seeing satan attack people constantly you know and try and destroy that relationship that oh it's better over there you know but in reality relationships just like 
being great at a job or being great at a sport, whatever you're choosing, it takes a ton of work. And, and you can't that's, ever, well, you can't ever let go, right? Yeah. The faithfulness, you stay mm-hmm. committed to it through the highs and the lows. And, and so, you know, that Erica, thanks for bringing that up. I, that was actually one I had circled too, that I had to remove from the list. So I'm glad you <laughs> took it. Uh, so <laughs> it is, I mean, it's so, it's so important, you know, once we venture down this road with Jesus, like why would we ever turn back? Right. The faithfulness yeah. to him changes our lives completely. So. Yep, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought the Bible into it as well, Erica. Just that that importance of um, of time in God's Word. That uh, how do you, how do you hear what's right? You know, yeah. and how, where do you find that? You you find that from the source, the one who wrote what's right. Um, right when it's you know, and it's a. Uh... The, the, my fellow Harry Potter fans, you know, being a Hufflepuff loyalty is in our definition. It's in our DNA. Um, and when I think about being loyal to his word and, you know, opening it every single morning when it's five 30 before work and I'm not feeling it, you know, there's that voice in the back of my head. I'm thinking to myself, but he died for my sin. So I'm like, I want, I want to be in it. This is, this is the least I can do in being loyal to him and in this journey with him. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to jump in at number 14. Um, and by the way, for those of you who are listening, like what numbers are they talking about? I'll have the link um, in the show show notes. Um, again, this is a blog post that Carrie Newhoff wrote to um, remind people that as you get into your 50s, you realize that a lot of the investment uh, that you made in your 30s and 40s is what got you here, good and the bad. And so we would love for you to lead better and we want to lead better. Number 14, uh, this was one of my top three, was wrestle down your pride. Um, uh, he, he wrote, um, pride is ugly. It gets you into trouble again and again. The only person to whom your pride looks appealing is you think about it. You don't like pride in anyone but yourself. So pray it out, beat it out, do what you need to wrestle it down. And, um, uh, I just have seen this for, for myself. Um, uh, I think that for all of us, um, there's a tendency to compare, uh, compare my idea, my talents, my abilities, my experiences with somebody else, especially if they're moving in a particular dir- direction and I just don't like it or I just disagree with it. And it's amazing to me how how quickly my opinion um, trumps uh, everybody else to the point that I don't listen well. And um, as I've been reading through uh Romans, uh, been spending time in our small group and, and actually the Awaken Alive, the, uh, the young adult Bible study through Romans 12. And, and, uh, Paul writes, um, be of clear mind and of sober judgment. Um, basically don't get drunk on yourself. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment, be sober. And I've just thought about that. Wow. That's what pride does. It makes you drunk on your idea to the point where you tune out everything else. So I, I thought as a as a leader, regardless of where you're at in your journey, um, just understand how damaging pride pride can be. I don't know if uh, either one of you guys want to go first and jump on. How do you respond to that one? Well, I'll I'll jump in. I've got some experience with this. You know, I in in my 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 careers, you know, my attempts to tackle the world, you know, to, to make an impact, to, to find a place or, you know, design a career that was going to really follow the world standards of, you know, 
you climb the corporate ladder, right? And what that takes and same idea, the, the idea that my idea is right. Therefore, I'm going to push everybody out of the way so that my idea gets known. And it's, it's, it, it, you know, it wrought some chaos, you know, and I, 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 I didn't realize it till later that great leaders, you know, they don't really focus on themselves apart from everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. The best leaders are the ones who do everything it takes to pick everybody else up and elevate them, you know, in the process of attaining success, whatever that might be in. And that's always been the best picture that I've, I've eventually learned is that, you know, it just like Jesus came down to earth to, to save us. We didn't know what he was doing, you know, or even recognize the need for it. Or, and at the time they didn't recognize he was even the savior and what he was doing. And, you know, you see that model of th- there's a plan here and I'm going to take you and bring you along in the plan. You know, mm-hmm. it's not about me succeeding. It's about us all walking across the finish line together. You know, yeah. and I, I think that's so important uh, that that true leaders are the ones who you don't see them bend over backwards for other people, but boy, are they doing it? And they're lifting other people up to make them shine as well. Erica, so, um, do you, you know, you're generate you're you're growing up. You know, in your now what late twenties are you? I forget. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Late twenties already. Oh my gosh, because I'm in the late forties. You know, but the generation. I mean, th- th- this is an important thing. I'm just speaking to more my generation that it, it's not. While there is, you know, c- coming of age is a similar theme for every generation, but we can't make a direct comparison from one to the next. Um, the iPhone did change things. Um, social media um, has. The people who do brain research are, are it's rewiring the brain differently to think. Um, in your opinion, for people in their twenties, so younger leaders, um, is pride on the radar? Do you think, or is it overly on the radar? Is where does this rank in terms of challenges for young leaders? Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. And I think no matter what, no matter what stage of life you know you're in, whatever age you are, I think pride is pride is always there. Um, you know, for people my age, there's this. I think the overwhelming um, idea is uh, I need to have kids. I need to get married. Oh, I don't have kids by now, or I'm I don't even I'm not I don't even have a boyfriend right now. That's mm-hmm. that puts a lot of pressure on you. And then, you know, when I look at this you know, number 14, wrestle down your pride. I think when it comes to faith and our belief system, being so, be working in ministry, I think it's easy for us, whether, you know, I'm 27, you know, Mike and Paul, you're older than me. I think it could be easy for us to look down and be like, well, that 19 year old doesn't believe, you know, what is he thinking? But I think we need to come back down to earth. And especially for myself, I can speak on it where I was there a few years ago. I was where that 19 year old was. Um, There's someone very close in my life who um, she's at that point where she doesn't know if she believes. And I just want her to believe so bad um, because I want her to be saved. I want to make that walk with her. Um, So I have to wrestle down my pride. I have to um, think about 
I could look down on her, but I love her. So I'm not going to, it's you're making a conscious effort to rather than belittle that person into thinking that the way, you know, you do hold their hand, walk them through it. You know, I, I, I send her, um, I send her Bible passages. I, I invite her to church with me, which she has come. And so you can only do what you can. Um, but the, you know, it's just so much better than being up here, looking down at that person. Well, you're a lost cause. I'm better than you. I'm saved. I don't have to save, you know, we have a responsibility to each other as Christians, um, to hold their hand and help at least try as best we can to walk them through that. And, um, when you're prideful, it, it makes it much more difficult. Yeah. I think, uh, for that Romans 12, if you have an opportunity to read through that, I don't have it pulled up right in front of me, but, uh, but the Romans 12 piece of things speaks into that same idea of just, um, don't be conceited, but, uh, honor those who are underneath you. Um, don't look down on other people. And it's just, I don't know, man, it's just so, it's so easy to do. And, and I, I think I remember my, my mom talking about, um, one of the challenges between the world war two generation and the Vietnam generation, um, that when the soldiers came back from Vietnam, having seen the horrors of war, they came back to a cynical, um, oftentimes retired military that said, well, we, we won the war. You didn't, you didn't win the war. And the, 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 the wounds that that pride put, especially for young men, uh, coming back and that just pride is such a dangerous, dangerous mm-hmm. thing. And you could probably argue that it was the, it was that which, uh, really got us into this, into this problem in the first place in the garden of Eden. Um, we're going to keep moving forward. Uh, Paul, do you want to jump in? Well, I don't, I don't know. I was just going to say, you know, the 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 idea of pride, that's our natural sinful tendency to to puff up, right? The death of yeah, relationships, yeah. right, is the 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 elevation of pride. But um, you know, I don't know if you've seen this, but we we often work together to to bring this out, right? That what what do most leaders who are successful have that's the exact I I would say the 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 exact opposite spiritual quality to yeah, pride. Humility. Yeah. humility right yeah the willingness to say how can i help and eric i think you outlined that well you know in the description of your friend and what it really takes so yeah all right um all right paul i think you're up i don't know how many we get through i think i'm watching our clock so i, I want to make sure okay. that we get through at yeah. least two out of our three so okay awesome uh, that makes a hard choice um <laughs> I, you know, I think this is a, this is something I'm always taking a look at, but this is, this would be number eight, you know, on my way up the ladder of, of options. Um, Oh, I'm glad you got this one. This, I was, I had this one and then I heard you were going to take it. So I moved to something else. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm totally with you. We'll double up on it. All right. Drum roll. Here it is. What's number eight. Yes. Cultivate the circle of people around you who make you better. You know, and I think that's that's true throughout life, right? From the very beginning, it's our job as parents to create or to to look for for relationships for our children that are going to nurture them in the, the direction we'd have them go. You know, loving kiddos who are 
being supported by parents who are going to help kids grow in the right direction. But then, you know, you kind of get older into high school and college and Eric, you can relate this young professional, right? Relationships can get harder to find and establish, especially with good people who have great characters and are of similar faith. And so, but if, if you do find and nurture those relationships and deepen them past the point of just, hi, how's the weather? You know, you, you can really start to grow, right? You, you, there's vulnerability develops and you can, you can start to speak into each other's lives. And you can, you can also, the benefit, uh, the primary benefit is that you can get to learn things about yourself that you wouldn't otherwise see. And that's the beauty of deep trustworthy relationships, right? People who are going to push you to take the next step on your journey of wherever you're going for your benefits. I was listening. um, I would just to speak on what Paul just said, I was listening to a uh, Jay Shetty podcast and he had, and I'm forgetting because it was a few weeks ago, but he had a CEO of, of a larger company on and they were talking about this exact idea that this CEO, you know, he's top dog, right? And it's easy for him to look down on everyone else. Um, But to make his company grow and thrive and have it be the best that it can be, he intentionally hired people that he thought were better than him, that could do his job better than him. Whether, Whether it was, you know, down here interns or up here, he intentionally had that thought in his head, who can I hire that is better skilled at me in X, Y, and Z and whatever, you know, they were working in specifically. And he says, when he changed his mindset to that, the company flourished and it was, it was not only um, successful, but it was a happy environment to work in. Um, So speaking on, you know, the work side of things, um, it's okay if someone's better than you. <laughs> sometimes that's sometimes that's actually for the good. Like in this case, um, with this interview that I was listening to, um, it it skyrocketed this guy's company. Yeah, and it kind of goes with number nine on this list. You know, get comfortable being around people who are smarter than you. I I do think early on, and I'm a I'm a songwriter as well. One of the things early on, I I didn't like other people having an opinion of my song while I was in the writing process. And then if they didn't like it, I just didn't want to hear from them at all. Um, but this idea of collaboration, that it, it, it is amazing how some of the strongest things come from a collaborative spirit, which going, going back to the other one that we had, um, it's the opposite of pride. Humility invites other people and says, I want those of you who are better. And in fact, I'm even going to try to find the qualities in you that are better than me. Uh, because that means I can learn from anybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the, the 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 GLS. There's a few quotes that are in there, but armed with enough humility, anybody can learn from anybody. And man, that's just, and, and there it is. It's right there in the Bible. <laughs> be <laughs> humble, be right. humble, be humble. Um, my, uh, uh, like I said, my, mine was kind of in that, uh, that same, uh, space. So Erica, you go, uh, you go next. What was your number two? Sure. Um, number 22, discover what refuels you and do more of it. Mm. Um, Ooh, talk on this one. Sure. Why was that an important <laughs> leadership? Again, we're talking leadership. You know, these are leadership nuggets 
to help mm-hmm. you lead better. Why, why did this jump out? Yeah. This one jumped out because as I, as I take this, as I took this on and I, you know, I was kind of sitting with it. Um, I would say there, there are two major things in my life, um, that I hold, I have two passions. I have my work in ministry and my faith. Um, and then I have, uh, the gym, the gym is a huge part of my life. I say, those are my two lives, you know, work and faith and then the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are two things that fuel me continuously. Um, and if I want to be an influential person at work and in my personal relationships, um, I have to stick to those things. And not only, not only for my sake, not only for the self-care aspect and to keep my mind, body, and soul healthy, um, but to influence the other people around me. Um, you know, I'll have friends and family members talk to me about both of those things. Mm. Both of those things are my passion. Both of those things mean the absolute world to me. Um, uh, a few weeks ago, my sister, uh, asked me, you know, someone who doesn't talk about faith at all. She texted me out of the blue. Hey, what Bible do you use again? Back to the Bible discussion. And I knew I was, I wasn't going to ask any follow-up questions. I just sent her the link cause I didn't want to push her cause I know how that is. Um, but she sees that that is something that fuels me and it piqued her interest. It made her curious about it. Um, and then, you know, I have other, I have other people in my close group who, who want to know how I got on a, uh, a, a regimen of going to the gym, eating clean, um, and what that looks like for me and how it's helped me. Um, and doing more of it. it's not just doing what re- refuels you, but it's then some, um, I'm not just eating clean one day a week. You know, I strive to eat clean five days a week and then I have, you know, eat yeah. pizza on the weekends, you know? So find what makes you happy, find what makes you healthy and do it do more of it all the time. Um, and that's something that it truly changed my life when it came to my faith. I didn't want to just be faithful and attend worship every Sunday. I wanted to be in his word. So, you know, I got that Bible. Um, so doing things and, and hold yourself accountable too is I think another key part of that, especially when it comes to leadership, you know, I could preach to the end of the day, guys, I'm doing a devotion today and I'm going to the gym today and you know, everything's great. But if you're not holding yourself accountable and, you know, you start to slip, then it's just big talk and you're not really doing anything for yourself or for the people around you. Yeah. Paul, how do you respond to that one? Discover what refuels you and do more of it as a leadership. leadership. I, I, I would agree. You know, it's important. You got it. There's there. God has wired you uniquely in this world. And there's some passion, some activity that everybody has that's unique, you know, and that's a good thing to go and enjoy that. Now it, it, it can quickly become out of balance, right? Where mm. that is the only thing you do to the sacrifice of other things, but right. everything in moderation, that's important. So, totally. Yeah. But it's so important to find that that passionate activity and be okay with that. And, you know, the reality is, is that we should all be that way, right? There's something good that I love to do. And that's, that's the, that's the, 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 another big characteristic is, is it beneficial for you and the people around you? Right. Because Mm. you've got to ask that question about, you know, am I, am I doing this for myself to the detriment of, other people or is this destroying 
myself in the process, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of options there that can sneak its way in. You know, I, it's, it's funny as I grew up in the mountains out West and um, I used to climb and loved the, just the, the, the rugged pursuit of doing extreme sports and, and out here in Wisconsin, you know, it's all flats for the most part. And so uh, I found a substitute in golf and, um, you know, so now I just get to take long, very expensive walks through the park, but it, you know, it's, it's fun in the fact that you get to enjoy nature. Uh, There's some solitude. I'm battling a little tiny ball that I have to hit around and I have to deal with the the mental anguish of trying to hit it. And, you know, so it's, it's, you haven't golfed yet, yet, yet much. Have you Erica? Oh no, I, oh. I did go. I did go mini golfing at the Moreland Golf Center two weekends ago, but that's about it. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, well, so you can you can relate a little bit to what we're talking about. Sure. Okay. Shorter, <laughs> shorter, sweeter version of the longer experience on the golf course that you pay me yeah. way more for. Um, yeah, but you know, like it's it, it's it's become a passion to the point where, you know, I get to look forward to it. It's 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 a little bit of a break from the normal everyday life and. I get a long walk, which is nice, you know, so the body exercises, the mind gets set free. Um, so I, I would agree with you, Eric. It's, it's great that you pursue that and, and it should be okay to do that. Right. Yeah. And I think what you mentioned too, is there's a balance and you don't want it to become detrimental to yourself or others. And Mike, you and I talked about this in passing a couple of weeks ago where, um, I easily, you know, I found myself thinking about going to be a personal trainer, going to school for that, having that be my career. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't want to take something I was so passionate about and something that really was my escape in my me time. I I didn't want to make it a job. But on the flip side, working in ministry, I love that I'm in ministry so 40 plus hours a week. Um, But again, do I want to be in the gym 40 plus hours a week? No. So it's, it's finding that balance. And I knew if that was not in balance, it would be hurting me and it would be hurting the other people around me, be hurting, you know, my coworkers, it would be reflected in my, my family and friendships. Um, And that's obviously never a good thing either. That was a, you know, when, when you and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, I I thought that that was a really good reminder for me. And this is one of the things where I can, I love that at, at any generation, um, if you're if you're humble and you ask questions, you'll oftentimes find answers to, to to questions that you're wrestling with, and they come from the greatest places. Sometimes a five year old has incredible wisdom. But uh, when we were talking about it, and you mentioned that I I had mentioned that's one of my struggles is that everything I do is somehow related to ministry, but it wasn't always that way because I was in the secular world in meteorology for the better part of twenty five years, and then the other part was ministry, and now it's all that. So I, I'm for me, I am I am trying to wrestle with what is it that refuels me. I have picked up golf, the expensive walk. Uh, how, how did Seth, what was Seth's quote? You know, a walk, a, a nice walk ruined or something like that. Yep. Um, and and uh, so I am finding it's just really interesting. I uh, it brings out some internal battles and some thinking in, in me that now I have a I have a focus going back to my Bible uh, time. But when you said that, it was it was. It, it put me on my heels a little bit and it has given me some pause to say, okay, what is it that makes part of my ministry a job that I love, but how is it taking away the ministry that I won't, I won't call it a hobby because I've always taken it seriously, but how do I make sure that that still refuels me? And I was on tour last week and it was, it was work, 
it was ministry, but it refueled me in a way that mm-hmm. I haven't been in a long time. So um, I, I want to read this one. This I thought this was really good to this point. Discover what refuels you and do more of it. And uh, Carrie wrote this. Your choice over the long run is self-care or self-medication. And I think both in ministry and in leadership and in life, um, a lot of us diminish our influence because we choose self-medication. And um, I mean, praise God for his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy, quite frankly, that that keeps you guys from experiencing the, the junk that I carry. Um, but man, uh, if you're not proactive about self-care, you will self-medicate. Yeah. Um, uh, a note, and I know, um, you know, we've talked about this, whether it was you and me, Mike, or, or us as a min team pod, I don't know if you've heard this, but um, block out time for yourself. Um, yeah, we did talk about this in the min team. Yeah, um, block we out, talked about it today, yeah, actually, even yeah. when you weren't there today after you left, oh, sure, sure, this sure. came up again. Yep. Yes. Block out time for yourself. I told, I told, I shared um, a while ago that I will never accept a nine to five job. You could offer me X amount of money. I'm just not going to accept a job where I have to work the hours nine to five. It's great here because it's the seven to three. You know, that works for me because that three to 5 p.m. hour, that's my time in the gym. That is my me time. If it's an off day from the gym, I'm going home and reading for two hours. Block out that time. If there are, if I'm, you know, trying to get together with friends or my family, Um, And, you know, there's times where I, I, you know, have to be flexible, but most of the time I'm like, I'm not available until after five for dinner, because that is my time Mm. for me and to take care of myself. Um, And when you put that as a priority, um, it is really all for his glory because I'm, I'm keeping myself healthy and happy. And that will then spread to all other areas of my life. And I, I, I stuck to that. You know, when I graduated college, I said, I will not accept this nine to five job because I have other priorities in my life and money will always be there. I'm just going to have to find a job that works better. And here we are. I did. So God is, God is kind of piling up on me. Paul, you've given me crap about this before, but, um, I, I've been struggling and wrestling with, I really don't want to get up at six o'clock in the morning. Um, and I usually need to have it. I know I'm getting there. And Erica just gave me another, another piece, but the idea of being home at five because all the other stuff was done. Mm, what you just said there, that's, that's, um, that's helpful for me. Mm-hmm. All right. I've got, I've got one more. Mike, Mike, can I just add one more comment? You, you have three people on, so that means you get an extra 20 minutes for the, well, podcast. I've got a meeting that's coming up in about 10. So uh-huh. <laughs> well, they're flexible. Well, just kidding. One, one more thought. This is, this is from a parent, right? And so Eric, you'll just have to try and relate to us, but you know, the other side about the, the whole refueling and the self-care part and, and making time for what you value. I, you know, I think that's a, a decaying proposition for a lot of families making time for things that are important, right? The, the world will always throw stuff at families to take them away from, let's say, gathering around the table to eat a dinner together without influences from the outside, right? TV technology. Um, yeah, sports are a huge competition now, you know, they're just competing all the time. So I, you know, it just, just to think about that, you know, like time together, refueling, right. In your relationships. Yeah. 
I, I would yeah. I would just to to put a bow on that. Um, it's it's not just for us individually. This is true of of couples. You have to refuel together. This is true of families. Um, we're in a sermon series on camping. Uh, let's go camping is what we call it. But but the idea that as a family we need to have some good conversations and some space to refuel together as a as a team, as an organization, um, as a group of uh, professionals. Uh, I mean, conferences. One of the values of that can be a space where we take some time to refuel. So uh, again, just. You don't you you either self care or you self medicate. That's the way that these two are going to go. And I'm going to finish with this one. Um, this this went really well. Boom! Forty minutes just goes by really fast. So we're going to do another one of these um, that we'll re- we'll have for you guys next week because we there are a couple more that we wanted to get to that we feel are good good leadership ones. But I want to finish with this, and it's number twenty four. As a leader, it's important for you to develop the ability to trust again. To trust again. When I was with Walgreens, uh, when I was uh, in my early 20s, I was looking at a possible assistant manage- manager and then working towards store manager. So I was kind of on that on that train. And I had an, a, an older manager who cautioned me to be to guard my heart, and that the biggest challenge would be to not grow cynical because you've been burned so many times. And so then you just become, and I had met managers who were very cynical, who were just not pleasant people to be around. Um, and then I'd met other people who didn't have like any boundaries. And so they just got taken advantage of and they were always getting wrecked. But I think as in leadership, this is a reality is that people are going to sin against you and you are going to sin and sometimes bear the consequences of a poor choice or a poor word, word at a wrong time. And so because we lead in relationship to with other people, um, this idea of being able to trust again, to hope again, to believe again, that's how you, that, uh, to your point, Paul, that's how you make it 20 years, is that you learn that skill. And I'm wondering if you guys have any quick closing thoughts on that. Erica, you get a thought? Sure. Um, it's... I'll say right away, it's difficult. Um, when you get burned in the workplace, when you get burned in a personal relationship, it is so difficult to bounce back from that. Um, when it comes to the workplace and being a leader, um, I really learned that you you take you take the good with the bad. You you see what went well, you see what you liked in, you know, in fellow leaders, and then you take in what you didn't and what didn't work good and how you got burned. And you move on with those things. You take those lessons that you learned. Um, because really, I really don't think there's anything such as there's nothing, there's no bad lessons. Um, no matter how hard it was to learn that lesson, they're all good lessons because we can grow with them. Yeah. Paul, you got 90 seconds. Trust again. Yeah, I think I think it's essential. You know, it's it's so easy to just kind of turn your back and shut people out or shut a situation out, right? You just kind of turn away from it because of you don't want to deal with it or wrestle through the mess of the swamp that that you might be in. And I I it goes back to point five where we started, you know, trust, 
promises of God, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to lean hard into him because his stories are true. He's ever faithful. <laughs> right away, I'm like, who pops into my mind because of that? You know, aside from our earthly examples that we have just in our own uh, our own lifetime, but like Job, <laughs> mm. <laughs> that guy had a lot to deal with. Yeah. But at the, but at the end, you know, God says, here I am. And he said, you're the only one to be praised, you know? Yeah. And and then Joseph is always a classic example, you know? I mean, gosh, talk about being tortured for a long time. Yeah. You know, but God is faithful through it. So, you know, just trusting and holding on. And and the, the cool thing is, I, I should say the hardest part, we think in our timing, right? But God's yeah. timing is always the perfect timing. So it's hard now, but there's always beauty, hope, healing at the end that we can't even imagine. Yeah. So... You know, as I, as I'm listening to you guys talk, the, the thing that kept coming back to me now is just um, to trust again, where do we go? It goes back to the, to the gospel promise. It's about forgiveness. Um, I think honestly, it's a, a lot of times it's self-forgiveness because leaders um, more times than not, you don't have to email me, text me, call me to tell me about all of the different things that went wrong. I'm already pretty well aware of them <laughs> and I feel bad what? about them. And you so this idea stop. is space for self-forgiveness. Um and then, uh, and then the forgiveness for other people. How are you going to move on? And where is the source from that? The source is that I have been forgiven. And that's what gives me the power to forgive. And uh, we've talked about this with Jeffrey Bonock in one of our previous um, Great Questions um, episodes, but that forgiveness is so often there to heal the heart of the one who's been hurt. Um, that forgiveness, honestly, it starts with the one who's been hurt. And it's amazing that that's it's the that's how God did it, you know. It started with mm-hmm. the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, Eric, I want to thank you guys for joining me. You guys want to do one more of these? Yeah, oh, let's do it. Okay, we're gonna <laughs> do we're gonna do one more. We're gonna go next week, um, and we'll uh, we'll. I hope that for you guys as listeners, again, I'm gonna put the link in the show notes, and I would love your comments uh, if you got here. Is there one that jumps out to you? Um, is there a reason why that jumps out in this list? Um, and we'll talk a little bit about it uh, as we uh, kind of wrestle with some of these nuggets as about how can we lead better? How can we grow in our leadership? How can we grow in the positive influence that we have on the world, particularly as Christians? So I want to thank you guys for joining joining us. This is Paul Schusler, Erica Dresden. I'm Mike Westendorf, and we will see you guys next time. 